0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Evaluating Modern Theology. We are on part four today. After having had to take a week off, thankfully, you know, every time you get wounded, you need time to recover. And having been wounded by having to surf through the muddy mires of Paul Tillich's systematic theology, it was nice to take a week off and bind my wounds. But today we get right back into it as we ask the question, Was Paul Tillich a Lutheran? That's what he's known for. He's known as a Lutheran theologian. Your liberal Lutheran friends in the ELCA might say that he was a great Lutheran theologian, and they may even tell you that he was incredibly, powerfully orthodox. Standing up for uncomfortable truths. Now, thus far, we have zero indication that the man was Lutheran, in the slightest, at all. Maybe he said he was Lutheran, um, but thus far, he said, "Philosophy is going to unseat theology." He couched it in pretty terms about non-overlapping magisteria, how they have like more or less the same goal. But at the end of the day, all your foundations are really philosophical, so (laughs) philosophy has to be number one, which gives everybody permission to insert whatever their favorite philosophy is into the Christian faith and claim that it is the truth. We've also seen him claim that the church needs to get with the times and stop arguing, stop holding on to orthodoxy and books and stuff like that. (laughs) Orthodoxy is demonic, remember? according to Mr. Paul Tillich, the quote-unquote Lutheran theologian. But today we're going to look at what he claims is the method and structure of systematic theology, and this will give us the clearest answer, because anybody out there in the world can find a terrible Lutheran who is still somehow Lutheran. Anybody can see a Lutheran out there who maybe he's fully confessional and he's just a little wayward. When he says the church needs to get with the times, it means that he's forgotten some stuff in his confirmation class and needs to be gently reminded of the truth by his pastor. There are other Lutherans out there who, well, maybe they really, really love philosophy. After all, one of the greatest apologists of the Christian faith in the past hundred years was John Warwick Montgomery, and that involves a lot of philosophy. Now, sometimes Lutherans can overdo it with philosophy, and they need to be kindly reminded that, well, we really don't think Athens and Jerusalem are one and the same. Now, truly, Mr. Tillich here has said there is no Jerusalem, it is all Athens. But maybe just maybe his systematic theology is still small o orthodox so before we get into that let's see what lutheran systematic theology is or what i prefer to call dogmatics dogmatics is what is proclaimed you take information from the bible and the bible alone sola scriptura and you bring it together see what the scriptures have to say on various topics and form a cohesive theology from that. You do not admit your own human reason to muddy the waters. You do not admit the addition of human traditions, which are not founded in Scripture. This is the biggest difference between us and, say, Roman Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy. And again, reason. We don't do reason added to the scriptures, which I believe separates us from, say, our Calvinist friends or our Baptist friends. It is supposed to be sola scriptura, taken deadly seriously. This is why a good systematics textbook, if you ever want to read one, Christian Dogmatics by John Theodore Mueller it's an excellent read that gives you quite a lot of truth and it takes the truth of the holy scripture presents a concise and understandable theology from it and then it also rebuffs other theologies and worldviews from there it's a little difficult to read but john theodore mueller's christian dogmatics is fantastic as an actual systematics textbook let's see if uh, mr Tillich here decides to do the same thing. Let's read about his methods. Every methodological reflection is abstracted from the cognitive work in which one actually engages. Methodological awareness always follows the application of a method. It never precedes it. This fact has often been forgotten in recent discussions On the use of the empirical method in theology. The adherence of this method make it a kind of fetish, hoping that it would work in every cognitive approach to every subject. Now what's he saying there? We understand thus far that Mr. Tillich likes to blind you with science. He likes to throw complex sentences and impenetrably long words and ideas and clauses and logic In order to sneak in things that he kind of knows shouldn't be there. He says here, every methodological reflection is abstracted from the cognitive work in which one actually engages. What does he mean by that? He means that you don't have a method. In fact, methodological awareness always follows the application of a method. What does that mean? That means that for Paul Tillich, everything is question-begging. You assume the truth of your conclusion as you argue for it. It's not, let's collect the data from the Bible, see what the Bible has, and discover the truth from there. It's not, let's find out what the Bible says and then compare it to what commenters and theologians in the past have said to make sure we got it right. Oh no, the entire time you are doing systematic theology, you should already have a conclusion. You see, this is why he has gotten away thus far with just saying something heinous and then, well, kind of dancing around it to pretend he proved it. Now, if you're one of those fuddy-duddies that thinks, well, no, I just want to see what the Bible has to say on a certain topic and I will believe what the Bible says, he says you're a fetishist. That's right, you have some kooky, kinky fetish for the Bible. And for your <laughs> primitive idea of actually believing what the Bible says, oh no, see, that that's silly. You just keep hoping that it's going to work when clearly it's not. He's argued along these lines before in this book. Remember, we're on page 34 of about a thousand pages. But he's been laying the groundwork for the existentialist philosophy that he wants to supplant the Christian faith with, And that means he has to trash all that, you know, historical Christianity stuff. His first attempt at attacking it about 10 pages ago was this notion that you bring you into the text as you read it. All of your experiences, all of your philosophy, all of your ideas go into the text as you read it and therefore you can never arrive at a plain meaning. Of course, Mr. Tillich is ignoring the fact that you can actually do some work to make sure that is not the case. He is utterly forgetting or ignoring the idea that maybe a Christian ought to negate these things as they read the scripture. When I read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, i better cast away any presuppositions I have of a scientific-sounding creation of the world. I'd better forget the idea of a long creation versus young creation and just hold to what the Bible says plainly. There was a beginning, and in it, God created the heavens and the earth. Then I move on from there. Yes, you can delete yourself from the interpretive process, and you ought to do so, so you can let God speak for himself. But Mr. Telleck doesn't believe you can do that. In fact, he's going to deride it further, saying, The method they described could be called empirical, only with great difficulty and artificiality. The following methodological considerations describe the method actually used in the present system. That is, his system. So he says, you got to be fooling yourself. It's only artificial to claim this is empirically reading the scripture and gathering the data to make a statement. So, what does he say, though? What's the foundation? Is it sola scriptura? Is it just finding out what the Bible says and maybe adding his philosophy? Let's find out. If the task of systematic theology is to... Explain the contents of the Christian faith. Three questions immediately arise. What are the sources of systematic theology? What is the medium of their reception? What is the norm determining the use of the sources? So first and foremost, a Lutheran answer to that is, what is the source of systematic theology? It is one source. It is the scriptures. Sola Scriptura. What is the medium of their reception? Hearing, reading, and studying the languages, perhaps even going on commentaries to make sure that you are reading it plainly to see if somebody else read it more accurately than you. This isn't saying that the commentary supersede the scripture. No, absolutely not. A proper commentary just tells you what the text says. The third question, uh, what is the norm determining the use of the sources? The answer, the Lutheran answer, is the scriptures themselves. The source is the norm. John Theodore Mueller will demonstrate from the scripture in Christian dogmatics that the Bible is the norming norm for faith and life. What's Mr. Tillich's answer? And I want you to think, is this Lutheran? Because again, he's known as a Lutheran theologian here. The first answer to these questions might be the Bible. The Bible is the original document about the events on which Christianity is based. Although this cannot be denied, the answer is insufficient. In dealing with a question of the sources of systematic theology, we must reject the assertion of neo-orthodox biblicism that the Bible is the only source. The biblical message cannot be understood and could not have been received had there been no preparation for it in human religion and culture, and the biblical message would not have become a message for anyone, including the theologian himself, without the experiencing participation of the church and of every Christian." Let's unpack that. First, he says the Bible is wholly insufficient. It's just a source document you see, a little bit of history for us to take a look at. Uh, After all, we really do need to add culture and human religion and the experiences of the church and every Christian to our theology That's not Lutheran, Paul. It's not. In fact, this goes several steps beyond what the Roman Catholic Church does. The Roman Catholic Church takes scripture and adds tradition to it, namely the papacy, the councils, the magisterium. Orthodoxy just wraps everything into capital T tradition. Mr. Tillich believes that's all. That's not enough. We need to put human religion, human experiences, the church experiences, everything together before we even consider what the Bible says. Is that Lutheran? I think you understand. The answer is no. Paul Tillich is not a Lutheran. He has taken the very foundational plank of all Lutheran theology, sola scriptura, and he said that no, no, we can't do that. No, we got to add a whole bunch of crap that I unilaterally, arbitrarily decided needs to be added to the Bible before we can even consider theology. This is antithetical to everything that is Lutheran. But I continue here. What does he say? If the word of God, or the act of revelation, is called the source of systematic theology it must be emphasized that the Word of God is not limited to the words of a book, and that the act of revelation is not the inspiring of a book of revelations, even if the book is the document of the final Word of God, the fulfillment and criterion of all revelations. The biblical message embraces more and less... the biblical books systematic theology therefore has additional sources beyond the bible now remember mr Tillich here has said at the very beginning of this section here methodological awareness always follows the application of a method it never precedes it meaning he advocates for question begging He does not feel the need to prove to you the reasons why he believes this is the case. He is not going to build an empirical case for why the Bible is insufficient. He's just going to say it. When he says that the biblical message embraces more and less than the biblical books, he's not going to explain himself. He's come to that conclusion. That is the conclusion of his method, and his method be damned. He doesn't need to prove it to you. He just wants you to believe that. You can sum up his entire theological method here in the very first few paragraphs with the simple statement of, I said it, you should believe it, because I'm a theologian. That's it. This is honestly, I think, where a lot of Lutheran sacerdotalism in the past five years has come from, is a whole lot of people kind of deciding that Tillich had a point. Oh, I need to be free from these constrictions on the scriptures, because I am an ordained pastor, because I am a consecrated theologian here. People listening to Tillich, though, aren't listening to Lutheran doctrine. They are not listening to Lutheran systematics or dogmatics. They are not actually holding on to the truth. They are holding on to a guy that says, I have the right to say whatever I want and you have to believe me. Because I'm up here, you're down there. Let's look further. A couple paragraphs ahead where he says this. This is very interesting and very telling. Systematic theology needs a biblical theology which is historical critical, without any restrictions, and at the same time, devotional interpretive, taking account of the facts that it deals with matters of ultimate concern. What's he saying there? When he says systematic theology, he means, "Thus far, I say something and you believe it." But in order to get at that point, you still got to do theology, I guess. So he says he needs a biblical theology. He does not mean biblical theology in terms of find what the Bible says, teach what the Bible says. Oh no, the term biblical theology is the idea that you take a book of the Bible and treat it as any other book to find various themes in it. You can criticize the biblical theological method if you want with its uh, diachronic and synchronic ideas with the notion that you really dig into the author and the context. But biblical theology is not systematic theology. We need to understand that term. When he says it, it might sound nice because you hear the word biblical and you go, oh, yes, I want my theology to be based on the Bible. But they use the word biblical theology, the word biblical there meaning bookish, bookish theology. Mr. Tillich is saying that your theology that is systematic must first come from a theology that is biblical or bookish. And bookish with an eye to the historical critical method without any restrictions. In other words... If the historical critical guy says that, oh, X, Y, or Z event in the Bible just didn't happen because we have quote-unquote history and archaeology and I can do some philological word magic to tell you it didn't happen, then your biblical theology must reflect that and you incorporate it into your systematics. No restrictions. This is him saying I should be allowed as a theologian to abandon what the Bible says to come to the conclusions I want in so far as the world has told me what to believe. This is giving up a lot of the game. He's told us that the church needs to get with the times, the church needs to just say some stuff about God every now and then and call it a day. He has said, that there should be non-overlapping magisteria. I know he doesn't use that specific term, but the idea is there's a theological circle and then there's an outside the theological circle. And never the twain should meet. Never should they influence each other. The world should not be able to tell the theologian what to believe or what to say. And the theologian should never try to influence the world. He only stands as a witness proclaiming things from his theology that is... I guess totally right according to his philosophy. But here, with this sentence, we found out that Mr. Tillich is a liar. He lied to you, or at the very least, is contradicting himself. You see, the historical critical method of reading scripture and interpreting it is taking a biblical text... Taking biblical history, you put it in its historical context and you decide based on outside evidence and based on the culture in which the writer lived whether or not that text is true. And if it did not actually happen as written according to your conclusions, then you figure out the deeper meaning from there or treat it as some sort of mythopoeic text. The big problem is that's the world. That is non-Christian sources influencing how a Christian reads the Bible. That's historical critical right there. Mr. Tellick, who just told you that these should be non-overlapping branches of thought, has just admitted, snuck in through the back door, that the world should be able to tell the theologian what he is allowed to believe. This is Paul Tillich advocating for surrender to the world through a Trojan horse of his systematic theological method. You tell the world these are not overlapping. Oh, we are separate now. Theology and the rest of the sciences and ideas out there got to be separate. But by the way, I'm going to put a hole in the wall so the world can get in and take over. It's Trojan horse theology. It is the idea that you can do this and betray the church and still call yourself a Christian or even a Lutheran with no limitations. He should have underlined that. That the theologian should have no limitations on himself. Remember, Sola Scriptura says that the theologian is bound to Holy Scripture. He has no other foundation. He cannot go beyond the text. He cannot go above the text. He cannot go around the text. The text of Holy Scripture is supreme. It is the word of God. And Mr. Tillich here has said, Yeah, well, we can actually... um, We can add some scholarship, so we don't have to do that. But don't worry, it's still devotional interpretive, meaning I can still write some pretty uh, devotionals for it. I can still make old church ladies smile with words of soothing comfort that don't actually save. I don't have to give the real gospel here. Instead, I can just, you know, make people feel good. This is why there are pastors out there, who actually spent entire sermons just talking about the Muppets. This is what gave them permission for that. Let's just talk about the Muppets. Let's just get people feeling good while I wear some vestments near an altar. Mr. Tillich gave them permission for that. Now a little bit further, just to make sure that people understand I'm not misinterpreting Mr. Tillich. That which concerns us ultimately is not linked with any special conclusion of historical and philological research. A theology which is dependent on predetermined results of the historical approach is bound to something conditional which claims to be unconditional, that is, something demonic and the demonic character of any demand imposed on the historian for definite results becomes visible in the fact that it destroys his honesty. Being ultimately concerned about what is really ultimate liberates the theologian from all sacred dishonesty. It makes conservative as well as revolutionary historical criticism open to him. Only such free historical work united with the attitude of ultimate concern, can open the Bible to the systematic theologian as his basic source. In other words, you don't even have to go through mainstream historians. You can believe what you want as a theologian and tell people what you want as a theologian because you should not be bound. You are the theologian, so people should believe what you say because you said it. That's it. Hyper-sacerdotalism. I expect him at some point to put on a pope hat to tell people that he has the ultimate infallible authority over what others believe. Next week, we'll see if he does that. Chances are in one way, shape, or form he will, because my goodness, this is some of the worst theological writing I have ever seen in my entire life. Catch you all next week. Amen and amen.